1: To What Goes Up, a Bloomberg Weekly Markets podcast. I'm Sarah Poncek, a reporter on the Cross Asset Team.
2: And I'm Mike Regan, a senior editor on the Markets Team.
1: This week on the show, in the stock market today, it seems there's only one thing that's constant, speed. The fastest fall into a bear market on record was met with a forceful rally. In fact, the fastest in about 90 years. We talked to one investor who, through all the back and forth, has been looking for opportunities.
2: And as always, we'll close out the episode with our tradition, the craziest thing I saw in markets this week. And Sarah, I will have you know, I this podcast is a special occasion because I actually took a shower for this podcast. I can't really explain why, but I felt the need if I was going to talk to you and our distinguished guests that that I needed to take a shower. I have not felt that need when I'm writing and editing, though, for whatever reason.
1: It's all mental. We're not in the office. No one knows what we look like, what anyone here is wearing, how long it's been since anyone showered. But there's something (laughs) about talking to someone, uh, to each other, where it feels like you need to at least feel presentable. (laughs) That's
2: that's right. Well, everyone out there listening can take confidence that I smell somewhat decent, you know, better, better than I did a half an hour ago. uh, He scrubbed. But let's welcome to the show our uh, guest for the first time. He is the CEO of the investment management firm Alger. His name is Dan Chung. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Sarah, why don't you tell the, the folks about the podcast hotline? And we've we've haven't been getting much love on the hotline. What do you let them know about the number?
1: Yeah, come on. Everyone's at home. You should have more time to give us a call. You know the drill. If you hear or see any crazy stories in the markets, you have any questions for us, you just want to give us any feedback, you can give us a call. That number is 646-324-3490. And remember, if you leave us a message, we may even play it on the show for you to hear yourself.
2: That's right. And you do it as a listener. Do not have to shower for the podcast. I'll just throw that out there.
1: <laughs> There's no rule.
2: No rules. No rules. But Dan, uh, I'm curious to hear your take on this, this ferocious rebound in the markets we've seen this week. I was reading some of your thoughts uh, about how this will all play out. And uh, you did mention that you think, well, the economic recovery may be kind of slow and gradual, but you did expect sort of a V-shaped recovery in stocks. And sure enough, this week, I mean, we've seen the Dow Jones Industrial rise about something like 20% in three days in the middle of the this week. Is this the that V-shaped recovery, or is this kind of just a, a head fake and, and we'll get the real recovery uh, when there's more clarity on the economic situation and the virus?
3: Uh, I think it's a little combination of two things. So, first of all, it's a natural snapback to um, just the rapidity and the ferociousness of the decline, uh, which, as, as you've noted, we haven't seen in 90 years. But um, I think it is also fundamentally the signs of um, the market's recovery and the pattern that will that will probably unfold over the next couple months. Um, so, I, and in particular, I think we're likely to see, uh, you know, uh, some retest, i.e., markets falling back a bit from where we are as we process a lot of news um, over the next uh, couple months. Um, but I. I'm actually fairly confident that uh, the absolute lows that we just saw will probably be, um, you know, uh, they'll hold. They won't be any low. We won't be going lower than that. And it is kind of the process of beginning of recovery, actually.
1: So how do you kind of go about couching market action with what's going on in the economy? This past week, we got that unbelievable Initial jobless claims number 3.28 million, more than quadruple the previous record, and it seems there's there's a worry that over the next couple of months we're going to continue to get economic data. It's going to continue to be really rough. What does the market typically do in these situations? Will the market look past the economic data to see what's coming in the future? Uh, what can we expect there?
3: Right. So I think what we'll see is um, the market is always looking forward, and there. Therefore, oddly enough, on the rapidity of the down, the decline, you know, it's sort of uh, the fear, um, the, uh, the 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 shock of things going from basically so good in February to so bad so quickly, and also the, in particular, the unknown and unexpected nature of this. I mean, this is this is really the first major health scare that we've had since uh, the influenza of 1918, but. Um, I think the markets um, will also see uh, that we're going to see you know, a peak in the COVID-19 cases. Um, Italy seems to have peaked, and um, you know, that's a positive sign, really, for what the pattern might be in the US. And I don't want to minimize, of course, I mean, it, this is still a, a terrible healthcare crisis, and uh, many people are sick, and unfortunately, many people will, uh, will die. But I think, you know, like in Italy, we will see a peak and then a decline of the cases. We'll see um, a beginnings of recovery in that. And the market will anticipate that. It is also, of course, the market reacting to, and I have to commend, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve and even Congress. I mean, they are acting very quickly to offset uh, the economic damage uh, that is being created by the um, you know the shutdowns and the uh, precautions that we're taking to blunt the uh, the worst of the impacts of, of COVID nineteen.
2: You know, Dan, I think you know the assumption is that this is a a very harsh but sort of temporary shock to the economy. But from an investing standpoint, I wonder if you you know are there any areas of the market that you see perhaps permanently changed because of this? You know, uh, and I'm thinking, obviously, it's going to be a long time, I think, before the say the cruise ship business is is back to where it was uh, and and travel and leisure uh, across the board. Are there any sort of permanent or semi-permanent dislocations uh, that you see that an investor should be aware of uh, as a result of this?
3: Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I do think that consumers might for several years rethink um travel um and, and you know in terms of what do I think will come back slowly and gradually, it's definitely things like uh the cruise ships airlines, you know hotels uh probably probably actually you know slowest will be cruise ships, but I think you might see consumers really c- reconsider a little bit um you know how and where and what they like to do when they travel and take vacations. Um, so that that's, I don't think the industry is permanently damaged in any sense. I mean, people love travel, but I do wonder about, for example, whether um, airlines will have to adjust uh, and cruise ships will adjust to consumers wanting to be a little less tightly packed into uh, airplanes and cruise ships and therefore maybe, you know, cruises will adjust to that, but they'll be maybe a little bit more expensive. And so fewer people will be interested in taking them. You know, there are other things, though, that I'm pretty sure will come back really quite quickly. And I would think, you know, top of the list would be dining out, restaurants.
1: Something that hasn't changed, Dan, though, and I think it's been surprising to some, is the fact that even on the way down, it's a lot of the areas of the market, a lot of companies that led on the way up during the bull market, that have actually still outperformed. So you think a lot of growth companies, particularly a lot of tech, the Fang name, sure, Amazon, Netflix might be doing particularly well in a situation that we're dealing with now with the spreading outbreak, but is it surprising to you at all? Or do people maybe underestimate how healthy some of these companies have become over time. Sure, they led the bull market on the way up, but a lot of them are are pretty mature now.
3: i and I think you're absolutely right. Actually, uh, high quality growth companies have performed um, very well in this downturn, um, and 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 based on history, that's actually a little bit anomalous. However, I think based on modern current trends, um, it's actually something that. Uh, we're pleased to see it says that in many places, uh, investors are still understanding that there are some really strong innovation and growth drivers um, in our economy, and that the companies that are leading those trends, um, you know, uh, despite the disruption that this will cause for their businesses near term, um, you know, many of them still will benefit from, um, you know, the trends towards big data, cloud computing, uh, e-commerce, um, you know, and uh, streaming media. And in fact, I do think actually you asked about the, you know, if some industries will be sort of negatively impaired. I I think actually what might happen is that some industries will be positively benefited by this. And it may result in sort of, you know, uh, uh, for example, I mean, the easiest is online shopping is clearly taking a huge surge up from already a very long 25 year growth trend. And it may actually um, uh, be something that consumers, now that they're comfortable ordering groceries and necessities online, a large part of them, uh, uh, continue to do so after the crisis has faded because uh, uh, Amazon and the other groceries that are doing online delivery are doing a a great and important job right now. Uh, the same thing would be true for streaming, streaming media, where uh, clearly uh, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus are all seeing a tremendous usage and interest in their um, uh, you know, services. But on the more serious side, um, some of the most important cloud software and enterprise uh, technology companies are also benefiting because we are all having to work from home. And we are testing, really, in a dramatic fashion, the techno- the, some of the newest technologies that allow us to do that. Um, So a lot of that is data center based and cloud center based, but also software as a service. And um, I think a lot of the new technologies are proving um, their ability to adapt, uh, their ability to allow us to continue to function and run our businesses at a high level. And even uh, as we speak here, uh, many are using Zoom. I just got off a Zoom conference call. And uh, I've also uh, had my first uh, Zoom cocktail hour with a bunch of friends. Uh, and I think we'll find that some of these companies and the new products that they're delivering uh, were already in a growth trend. And in fact, uh, this crisis is causing us to, to actually uh, you know, use and benefit from their products. And so I, I, I do think that there's very good fundamental reasons why Um, those companies and their stocks have held up well, and I I think many of them, uh, when we come out of this crisis, will continue to reclaim their leadership in the market.
2: You know, Dan, at Alger, you offer uh, several different strat- strategies. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the dynamic opportunity strategy. It's a a long, short hedge strategy. The whole sort of long, short style um, seemed to be slowly going out of style for a long time there when we had this just what seemed like an endless bull market um, is this crisis kind of breathing new new life into that strategy? Is there, do you, do you suspect there'll be sort of a, a, a renewed interest in a long, short strategy going forward, even even after we recover, uh, recover from this?
3: Well, I certainly think so. I mean, we created this strategy for actually, um, first out of a desire for uh, uh, Alger's own shareholders, uh, which is a, a family, multi, multi, multiple branches of a family that, you know up until we created the strategy they'd only invested in our long only strategies and basically a very simple bond portfolio you know almost like the classic 60 40 except we were more like 75 25 because we were big believers in our strategies um but um we created it to, to you know preserve capital in down markets um to be opportunistic about the upper side in 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 bull markets um and be and also to give investors a much smoother ride so Uh, you know, half or less than half the volatility of the S&P 500. And it has uh, actually performed exceptionally well uh, recently. This year to date, it's down maybe 1% or 2% against an S&P that's down, I think, 23%. And if you look also over the last three and five years, this strategy has actually outperformed the S&P over the three-year period, and it's about you know it's about equal to the S and P I think over the five. Um, now there's a lot of volatility in the markets so that might change a little bit, but the point but the point I, I would make is that I think long short, actively managed, you get the benefit of downside protection, you know, protecting your capital in markets like this, but um, with a modest participation in the upside of equities over the long term. Uh, you know, you're able to, in particular, handily outperform uh, many bond funds. I think you know one of my concerns is many, many investors have too much in cash and bonds. Um, they've benefited recently from you know a low interest rate cycle, but that really ended a few years ago. And so, for, for a lot of investors, if you want to meet your long term needs uh, and have see your wealth grow. Um, you really need to have a good combination of equities, bonds, uh, cash. Of course, there's a reserve for times like this, but also, I think, long-short uh, strategies that can kind of straddle between bonds and equities. In other words, bonds are obviously less volatile, but the returns on an absolute basis have not been particularly good for quite a while. mean meanwhile, equities, of course, unfortunately, it's a lot of volatility, even though they are, in the end, uh, the long-term winners. And, you know, there's a a lot of data that shows over, uh, uh, I think, a twenty-year period, uh, there's never been a rolling twenty-year period where uh, bonds outperform equities. And in fact, over ten-year uh, periods, uh, equities uh, dominate. But of course, the intermediate volatility, the times like this, um, you know, are very shocking, and they're they're difficult for for uh, you know regular investors. Uh, you know, we're not uh, you know professionals and watching the market. They're difficult for them to handle and. You know, the biggest fear I have is that that so many individual investors will make the classic mistake of, for example, selling out of equities now and putting it into cash. Um, uh, and, you know, inevitably, uh, this crisis will fade. Markets will recover, I think, in a V-shaped pattern well ahead of the economic recovery, uh, and they'll miss out on a lot of, uh, of gains over the next couple of years. So that's why I believe long short equity really has a great place um, in, in everyone's portfolio
1: say you're talking to that kind of individual at this point in time where we're at now. I mean, you you mentioned a couple companies like Zoom video which I looked up. Up more than 100% this year, shares have more than doubled. Uh, that are potentially going to advance because of an unfortunate situation like this. Is it better at this point in time, seeing where we're at in markets and also with the development of the virus to be thinking about companies that could see structural change to the upside due to an event of this sort, or is it better to now be looking at companies that might be mispriced, may have been beaten down, brought down as people say, threw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I guess it's ultimately a question about value versus growth, maybe, but is is it better to be looking at companies that might be mispriced at this point in time or companies that could see positive change?
3: (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to frustrate you. It's actually better to be doing both of those things plus one more. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're doing at Alger right now is we are literally looking to make sure our portfolios have a good balance between companies that are actually going to benefit from this and the benefits might be structural and long-term and enduring. Um, I think Amazon and Netflix, whose stocks actually haven't done much this year, which has been highly defensive, but I think actually could, could, could really benefit from what's happening now. But we are also looking at stocks, uh, you know, I would say at the opposite end, where they've come down extremely hard, and uh, hopefully, you know, we're trying to look for the companies that are actually quality companies, um, good balance sheets can weather the storm, um, you know, and we believe uh, will recover, you know, uh, nicely or fully. And, and, that, and that because of the sell-off, uh, you know, the, the returns in the near term might be well, well above uh, average, in, in fact, might be significantly better than, the, say, the first category. And, you know, there really are some interesting opportunities there because... Um, in the last week or so, what we really saw that took the markets down so sharply, and I will think this is really interesting, is correlations rose to near 100% across asset classes. So you saw bonds as well as preferred equities also take extreme hits in the last week or so after they'd held up pretty well until then. And part of the reason is, is at that stage of the market, this stage of the market, a lot of investors were really simply looking to raise cash and also concerns about bankruptcies, liquidity of companies became an issue. And so you saw extreme blowout of of spreads in the the bond markets. Now, in the equity markets, you know, we look for those situations too, and then we're trying to identify the companies that we're pretty confident will survive, um, that will have um, businesses that will come back and, and that actually won't be particularly impaired. And actually, I'd have to say, like, you know, one of the industries that we think is very interesting is the, is the restaurant industry, which has been forced to shut down. Um, uh, so we've been looking at, you know, the restaurant industry, its distributor suppliers, as well as its vendors, many of whom have been hit, you know, just broad swaths, um, stocks that have gone down, um, you know, 30, 40, you know, 50%. And we look at them as, uh, you know, opportunities, uh, especially when we find companies that, you know. Um, uh, we think uh, uh, you know have the liquidity short term, uh, and then longer term. Actually, you know we're operating well, well run companies, and and vital to the success of the industry. And then and then there and then there's a final there's a final third category, which is uh, you know not necessarily companies that are going to benefit from this, and nor companies that are bombed out, but simply high quality growth companies um, that were doing well before um, you know they're. They're maybe not bombed out, but they're you know they're they're cheaper than they were on average. They'd be about twenty to twenty-five percent cheaper since that's how much the market is. And there, you know, we're trying to to sort, uh, pick and sort between you know um, which ones are offering you know the best upside, but also you know uh, uh, where we think the growth trends are stronger versus maybe slightly weaker. I mean, we are entering into a period of economic weakness. Uh, clearly, a lot of consumers and businesses are going to pull back. So, one example I could, I would highlight is we're we're looking carefully at those quality companies, but how much exposure do they have, for example, to small medium businesses? How much exposure do they have to say the travel industry, versus the same kind of companies, but perhaps they have more exposure to uh, China, which is already recovering apparently, or you know more exposure to you know Fortune one thousand companies that will clearly pay their bills, stay in business. And, uh, you know, we're sorting through that with a, a pretty big analyst team of about uh, 55 analysts and portfolio managers. And so those are the three categories that we're looking at. And we, when we try to construct a portfolio, we actually really want to be, um, I, I would say at this time, we were very fortunate to be allocated mostly to sort of long-term growth leaders and beneficiaries and high quality not so much of course bombed out companies a month ago but right now we're looking to sort of um, uh, take advantage of the market dislocation we're definitely adding to some companies that would be considered you know bombed out uh, and also looking for those sort of um, uh, quality companies at a discount so I hope that helps but those are the three buckets we're looking at
2: I think that's uh, an excellent point and I hope if anyone's out there in the power to so listen to Dan and, and take those recommendations, they, they do so. Um, Sarah, I like to think of what goes up as a small mom and pop operation, you know, and uh, you, you know what our, our main product is?
1: The craziest thing that we all ever saw in markets.
2: <laughs> Very, good. It's, Very our, good. it's our prototype. That's that's that is our flagship product, uh, Dan. I don't. I, hopefully, they warned you about our gimmick here—the craziest thing we saw in markets this week. Uh, a lot of contenders, I think. Sarah, why don't you you kick it off? What's the craziest thing you saw this week?
1: All right. So, to me, something that was really just unbelievable and kind of encapsulates everything that we are witnessing right now is the fact that. At one point on Thursday, um, full disclosure, yes, we record on Thursdays, the Dow was more than 20% off of its bottom. So if you are a very technical person, technically that would mean the Dow had entered a bull market at one point uh, just a couple weeks after it fell into a bear market, just with three days of a rally. So just pretty crazy. Uh, sure. It's very technical. Call it a bear market, call it a bull market, call it whatever you want to. But I think it's just really highlights uh, the manic crazy situation that we're in right now.
2: Absolutely. I, it's, I know the word unprecedented has been used an yeah. unprecedented amount of times, but that's got, that's got to be Seriously, one of the craziest things. Uh, yeah. But th- three days of a bull market, basically, is that all it took? Yeah. Um, Dan, how about you? Have you witnessed any crazy uh, things in the market this week?
3: Wow. That's a, um, well, in the real world market, I think the craziest (laughs) thing, and I, 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 you know, we really got to ask ourselves, um, every time there's a major crisis, uh, you know what we seem to run out of first? Toilet paper. (laughs) paper. (laughs) And uh, maybe you've seen the Johnny Carson 1973 during the oil crisis, but like, why exactly are we all running for the toilet paper first?
1: People are scared then, of what happens if you get yeah. stuck in your apartment with <laughs> toilet paper.
3: And then the other the other business that's where you seem to be running with toilet paper and uh, you know uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Walker, you know, <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's toilet paper and booze have been. I mean, people are supposed to be stocking up on the essentials, right? But uh, those if, aren't you, uh, essentials, Dan. But, my, you know, I mean, you know, I've seen signs that say, you know, drive in hands-free rosé for sale. Okay, so I need my toilet paper and I need my rosé and I need my Johnny Walker.
2: But, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to create a national strategic toilet paper reserve uh, after this crisis, I guess, to, to prepare for the, the next one. TPR? To the TPR, yep.
1: That's <laughs> what so we'll call it. The, T- the TPR.
2: <laughs>
3: so what's yours?
2: Well, mine mine goes back to your observation about everyone using Zoom video now. And it's uh, on Thursday, the SEC actually came uh, out with an order where it, it halted trading in Zoom technologies with the ticker Zoom. And the reason was, is this is not Zoom video. This is a completely unrelated penny stock uh chinese-based company that is not at all related to the zoom video that is zoom video communications at ZM. but everyone had been buying zoom technologies because of the ticker zoom and let me give you what what the sec said in the past five weeks zoom video the the video that we've all been using for these virtual happy hours and and whatnot uh rose 30 percent during the past five weeks Zoom Technologies, which is a, a company that doesn't even really exist as far as I can tell anymore. <laughs> that stock more than tripled over the same <laughs> time. So as much as you want to think of markets being efficient and, uh, you know, uh, masters of the universe at, at the switch of, of all the trading desks, uh, not exactly. Not exactly. That's a good one, so Mike. Get, get your... Get, get your tickers right. Everyone get your, yeah. your tickers right. I have to
1: say, every single time I try to look up Zoom video um, on the terminal, Zoom technology comes up first for some reason. Uh, and you just have to go around it.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's our fault
1: then. Yeah. <laughs> Blame <laughs> us. <laughs> All right, Mike, that was a good one. I give it to you. I get the W? I'm back. All right, well, with that said, Dan Chung, thank you so much for coming on the show today, even if it meant uh, calling in.
3: Thank you. I enjoyed it.
1: What Goes Up will be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal website and app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more listeners can find us. And you can find us on Twitter. Follow me at, at Sarah Ponsek. Mike is at Reganonymous. And you can also follow Bloomberg Podcasts at podcasts. What Goes Up is produced by Topher Forges. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.